Hello. There she is. <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm Hello. pumped. Thank you for joining me. I really do appreciate it. I'm pumped. Oh, me too. I, you know, I was panicking because I couldn't uh, remember where we were connecting. I checked all of my social and then I, I was like, email, email. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I saw your link. Thank right. you. Yeah, I was actually, I was literally in the middle of uh, signing back onto Yahoo to see if it went through. And then I seen the, um, the notification that you joined the lobby. So. Yeah, well, there, there we go. I don't like being late, and I think I was late, so no, 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 apologize. No, 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 no worries. All right, so before we get started, I just want to tell you, obviously, I know you have a habit of cursing, but I just want to say that's completely fine. Just be you. I advise all my guests oh. to do the same. No, <laughs> I don't want to do that, though, no, but thank it, you. <laughs> no, it's okay. Like You just you you do you. I'd rather have you be as comfortable as, pos as possible in my podcast, so. Right. Yeah, well, you know what I've learned, Jonathan, when I, uh, when I'm cussing on my podcast, it's because I'm just like, I'm like, overcome by my emotion, oh. and I have better control than that. And so I aspire to do better with you. So thank you. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. All right. So I'm just gonna... All right. All right. I hope I don't mess up my introduction, but I will start All right. in five. Four... No pressure, dude. All right, no worries. Five, four, three, two one hello everyone this is the execution equals excellence podcast i'm your host jonathan fernandez and today i have a very very special guest with me following in her mother's footsteps she got herself to join the sport of volleyball through her amazing skill set as the 1995 number one ranked high school volleyball player she attended stanford university where she earned four first team all-american honors and became a national champion her freshman and sophomore year she would then end up joining the woman she asked once asked for an autograph in high school, Misty May Trainer. From 2001 to 2012, these two women solidified themselves as the very best duo in beach volleyball history, winning a record 112 consecutive matches, 19 consecutive tournaments, and three Olympic gold medals. She wound up winning the bronze medal in the 2016 Olympics to become the most decorated Olympian beach volleyball player of all time. And two years later, Stanford named their beach volleyball courts after her. I would like to welcome the greatest athletes ever lay hands on a volleyball, regardless of gender, six feet of sunshine, Kerry Walsh Jennings. Kerry, welcome to my podcast. I'm more excited to have you on. Oh, thank you for thank you for that introduction. I have chills and I want to go work out. And I'm so grateful that we connected on Twitter and I can't wait to chat. Hopefully my connection is good. I've had shady internet lately, so it's looking good. Bear well, with us, people. By the way, I, I had to um, I had to steal a little bit of the Tom Billio introduction, if you will. You know, he's the he's the master at that, but I have no problem stealing a little bit of that juice from him. But yeah, I can't do it as good as he he can. That's what we're supposed to do. We right. steal from the great, at least yeah, from the greatest. Tom Billio, by the way. All right, so Kerry, I want to get into um, I want to start back to your younger days with your parents. I know doing my research on you, you had mentioned that your parents instilled the mindset of do get done what you're supposed to get done, you know, eliminate all excuses and complaining, and basically pick yourself up when you're down. So I just want to know, did that instill a certain level of mental toughness in you? And how did that type of parenting resonate with you as a child growing up? Yeah, um, 
Well, I just, I credit and I feel so blessed to have had the parents that I, I have, you know, um, it wasn't only in their words, but it was in their, how they lived their life. That was so inspiring. And, you know, it's one thing to be told, give no excuses, you know, do learn things right the first time, you know, focus on the fundamentals, but to see it in action is a different thing. It's way more powerful. My parents are the greatest leaders in my life. And they've been such a beautiful example of playing to win, of playing with all your heart, again, of no excuses. Um, I've gotten out of so many, and this is terrible, but not so many, but I would say I've gotten out of three speeding tickets because I give no excuses. And the cops are like, wait, we're not used to this, <laughs> you know? So there's, there's a lot of power and accountability. And ultimately, I think what my parents taught me that now that I'm more mature, I understand, it's just that with with accountability, you have control and power over a situation. You're not a victim to a situation. And you're able to maneuver through hard times faster and more deliberately when you take responsibility for them. And I'm just so grateful. That served, that served me in every area of my life as a student, as an athlete, as a mom, as a wife. Um, I used to point my finger a lot and be like, hold up, this is unfair or you're doing this wrong. And I've just come to learn that, A, that's never the solution is to point the finger because again that makes you the victim and it takes the problem solving out of your hands but b i always have a big hand to play in what's what's happening in my life even if someone else does something to me i have a big role to play in that and so i think it mm-hmm. served me very well that's very good um did anybody else in your immediate family instill that same type of um behavior in you yeah what, is i mean if you were to like if you were to meet my family, you'd know why I am the way I am. I'm such a product of, of nature and nurture. Um, my mother is one of eight. My father is one of four. Everyone's an athlete. My grandparents are athletes. And I come from some of the most loyal, faithful, fearless, and competitive people I've ever known. And I've known a lot of competitors, you know, and um, it's awesome. And the coolest thing about having such a big family that's so connected is that I got to witness people's different expressions of what it means to compete and to be passionate and to, you know, pe- I got to see people fail and get back up, like you said, and yeah, my entire family. And then now that I'm an adult and I get to pick who I hang out with, um, my family is my best friends, still my biggest role models. And then all of my dearest friends are the same breed. We don't think the same way necessarily. We don't have the same views on life. But the way we view ourselves and our unlimited potential and the curiosity about how to make life better, how to make ourselves better, that is a consistent thread throughout everyone in my life. And I'm so grateful. You know, it's, it's, we become who we're surrounded by. I really believe that, you know, it's like we become what we eat. It's like, and so we have to be mindful of who we surround ourselves by because we're going to take little parts of them and their energy and it's going to either build us up or break us down. And I'm very blessed to have rad people. I agree. I agree. Any I just, one thing I want to point out, speaking of not having certain people around yourself that may put you down, has there have you come across many haters throughout your journey? I mean, it sounds like obviously you've had a very great core of people, friends and family to support you throughout the way. But anybody that, just, that has been like more of a detour in your in your journey, in your journey to success? Obviously, no big ones. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> Nothing's stopping me and nothing's getting in my way. You know, I, for sure, there's been some haters, if you want to call them that. There's been some unbelievers. Um, the older I get, the, the louder they are, you know, because I feel like when you're doing something unexpected or something different, I'm 41 now, still have very big aspirations, still have aspirations of being the best I've ever been, the best in the world. People 
put their limitations on me. You know, A, they say you're, you're selfish, hang it up. You've been to five Olympics. B, they say you're old and washed up. Go look at your face. You know, you're not young anymore. And I'm like, Oh my God, ow, that hurts me. But that fuels me also because I don't subscribe to those things, you know? And as everyone says, it's like, it's, it's our duty in life to kind of use the haters, to use the challenges, um, to use the setbacks as fuel and a stepping stone toward, you know, more greatness. And certainly that's been the case in my life, but no, I, it's been 99.9% love and I'm so grateful for that. And I don't know if it's naivete or I'm just so dense. I just hear what I want to hear, but either way, I'm grateful that the haters have not been loud in my experience. Send some of that love my way. I can use some more of that. (laughs) Oh, you got it. Well, like attracts like, and I say that very humbly. And so I'm, I'm grateful to be, be with you because you know, it, it makes sense. I mean, these questions you're asking me, I think it makes sense. I think we, we want to learn the same things out of life. And so thank you. You're welcome. Now, next topic I want to get into is fear. In the past, you've mentioned how in your earlier days, fear you used to use that as fuel, and it used to give you some sort of power to, um, to push you to succeed. And then later on throughout your career, it's been, um, it's placed a certain limitation on you, if that's a accurate way to put it. So I just want to know how have, in what way have you, going away from the fear to uh, no longer have it be a burden for you? And, and how do you basically now in your later stages prepare for a match or even when you're in the sand playing to make sure that fear doesn't get in your way? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's such a process. And I'm, I think I'll be forever in this process of coming to terms with what I fear. Um, what I, so my fear of failure really used to drive me. Like it used to upset me so much that I wasn't unconditionally confident in myself that I would go and bust my butt and work harder than everybody. And I was great because of it. And, you know, we kind of throughout our lifetimes, we have ways to motivate ourselves. And that was subconsciously what motivated me. And then at some point, a couple of years ago, it just stopped working and it started to make to lessen me and to make me believe in myself even less. And, but fear, I don't want to eradicate fear. I, you know, it's impossible to eradicate doubt. I want to use those to fuel me. Um, Lately, I've become a very big fan of Jordan Peterson, who's just like one of the most incredible teachers, in my opinion, of all time. And he talks about, um, like, you don't, it's not necessarily becoming fearless. Like that would almost be dumb, you know, because it's like, we have our fear reactions for a reason to keep us safe, you know, to learn from. He's like, it's about getting braver. And so that's kind of how I'm trying to look at my fear and being like, I need to look at my fear in the eyes. I need to look at this dragon and make it my friend. Um, And I need reps doing that. And then I'll become braver, you know, and I really like that concept because it's empowering. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's almost like if I'm trying to be fearless, I have to talk myself into being fearless. And I'm not, I'm not into, you know, smiling, just a smile and, and, you know, like, faking it till you make it. That doesn't work for me. I don't think it works for a lot of people. And so I feel like looking fear in the eye and using it again as a motivating factor, but more of a a positive motivating factor, you know, more of a challenge, not like something to cower from, but be like, oh, I'm curious about you. I want to see what my dark side is. I want to know what's behind my inner critic, which is what is overcoming me in these fearful moments. And I want to be friends with it so I can go and kick ass, you know? I hear you. On another spectrum of fear, when was the last time you went into a match fearing an opponent? Be honest with me. <laughs> fearing an opponent, time? like that that would I think be overstating it. I think what I do when I fear, I fear my I fear my capabilities in the moment. 
Okay. You know, and yeah. it's like, I used to, I never thought I was a perfectionist, but I, I through a lot of self-help <laughs> sports psychology, I learned that I am I'm a perfectionist and I hold myself to these standards that are literally unattainable. And I think that's great. Like I am pissed off for greatness. Like, a great football player in the day you say that I'm like, God, that Ray resonates Lewis, so much. Yeah. Like, ah, it makes me angry because <laughs> I want it so bad. Um, but wait, I just lost my train of thought. It's okay. Give me the question one more time. So when was the last time you went into a match fearing your opponent? Yeah. So my, my biggest opponent is myself. And I know everyone says that, but it's so the case because literally same when I look at my competition, yeah, same with all of us, if we're honest. Um, but when I look at my competition, I'm like, Oh, the radness in you is going to bring out the radness in me. But in my weaker moments, I just, I feel, I doubt my capabilities, you know, and it's something that's really helped me. And this applies to sport and life. Um, is that I was trained. So the perfection, perfectionist in me was limiting me because I'm going to fail every time if I'm going for perfection. Right. So what I was encouraged to do for my performance psychologist, Mike Gervais, who has a rad podcast called finding mastery, um, was to, instead of, you know, like going for perfection, always focusing on the win, which I know I want, I'm going to focus on being the raddest competitor I can be. Because to compete is to show up with all of yourself, regardless, regardless if I, if I can only play with my left arm, regardless of who, how rad the opponent is. Like my job and my duty is to show up with all of myself. And that took the pressure off. And that takes the pressure off my inner critic also. Because I know, sorry, I got kids and dogs and stuff. Um, I know, like without a shadow of a doubt, only a couple of things in life. One that I'm divinely created you know, I am, I'm a gift from God. The world is beautiful. Um, and two, that I can compete with anybody, you know, and, and it, the fact that I know that about myself allows me just ideally to show up in these moments, in these big challenges, in these matches with all of myself and not be intimidated by the greatness of other people. Because my whole career, I've been elevated and inspired by the greatness of other people. When the inner critic gets too loud, then I put them on the pedestal, then I put myself lower. And so now I just want to be a competitor, respect my, uh, my opposition and dance with them, you know? <laughs> Sounds great. All right. So, I want to get to another important factor in your life. I know this has been a very important factor in your life and how in your structure. Um, discipline. You you once quoted Jocko Willink in the past: "Discipline equals freedom." Um. So if you could explain to me how, in some point in your life, when when you had discipline, and another point in your life when you didn't have discipline, and just com compare, if you just maybe give your perspective on the two. Yeah. Well, to be honest, um, you know, I'm a disciplined person by nature. And again, it's because I was encouraged and, and raised. If you commit to something, you commit to it a hundred percent. So have you always been disciplined? And so everything in my, excuse me? Have you always been disciplined? You're I have. Okay. Nice. I have. I've been like inherently driven from within, nice. you know, that being said, the times where it could be perceived as undisciplined, you know, with my education, for example, at Stanford, um, I talked myself out of being a great student. I fancied myself a jock and I was like, can you guys say hi to Jonathan? Hello kids. Hey. <laughs> I've seen him on the internet. Like, good kids. And we got we got our little dog Luke here too, is a nightmare too, in the best way. I've seen the snake. Um, too. so you know, the times where I've been undisciplined haven't really been disciplined, but it's been living from fear. Fear of failure. Again, you know, at Stanford, 
I frame myself as an athlete and I talk myself out of it being a great student. And I, I talked myself into everyone else being a genius, but me. And that kept me small and that kept me from going to class and raising my hand and really learning and engaging. And so that's what I've come to know about myself is that when I'm fearful, I play small ball and I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I take myself out of the opportunity to win, you know, so, but largely in my life, I've been very disciplined and the discipline to me means showing up daily. It means doing it when it's hard. Um, the, the greatest leaders are leaders because they're consistent, you know, and they're authentic. They walk their talk and I aspire to be that. And, um, I do know, like when I'm disciplined in my day, I have, I have this freedom emotionally and mentally and physically because I'm, I'm within myself and I know I've done what it takes. And there's so much peace that comes with that, you know, cause I know I'm, I know I'm ready when, um, and I know the benefit of that. So I don't allow myself to be undisciplined. You know, I'm undisciplined with my technology is so undisciplined with the food I eat or the lack of food. Cause I just don't eat all day and it shows up, you know, um, but as far as like completing tasks, I'm very disciplined, but I, I can be better at all these things. And I just think we become our habits and consistency is where mastery lies and consistency is just where growth is at. You know, some of us want, want a pill. We want like a one week diet and we want to lift weights for a week and be there. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's a process to building to greatness. And it's a process to building ourselves mentally, spiritually, physically. And so discipline for sure equals freedom to me. That's great. I love it. I got to instill some of that in myself a little bit more to be quite frank. I'm getting there. Yeah. Well, awareness is the first step, Jonathan. So that's huge. No, it it is. really is. Then now what are you going to do with that awareness? Right. It's going to drive you crazy at some point and then you'll fix it. That's right. Um, so speaking of discipline, I like to know as it relates to your, your structure, like when you wake up in the morning in your morning routine, how is that? How is that structured? Yeah, well, again, Jocko Willink, he says to become a morning person, you need to go to bed a morning person. So you need good sleep, right? Go to bed early. I love to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, which requires me to yeah, be in bed, you know, ideally asleep by 10. That's yeah. my dream. Because um, I, I, I want eight hours sleep, and that still cheats me if I go to bed that late. So um, I wake up early. I meditate. I make my coffee. Uh, meditation for me has become non-negotiable. You know, I, I know to get the best out of my days, to get the best out of myself in any, you know, with whatever hat I'm wearing. If I take time at the beginning of my day before the madness begins, I will equip myself with the patience, with the presence, with the awareness to handle my days, no matter what is thrown at me. And this is every single day, the day that I don't meditate becomes an overwhelming day. So if I could have one request of everyone in the world and be take time five minutes, two minutes, focus on your breath, anything in silence and stillness to connect to yourself is a beautiful gift to yourself and to your people, you know, you'll be able to execute better. So I wake up early, I meditate, um, I work out and then I go about my days. You know, our kids are up between six and six 30, um, and they're homeschooling right now. And so that's a fun, interesting challenge. Um, and you know, we're just between eight and three, we're, we're going about work and training and homeschooling and the business of talking to the world. Nice. <laughs> Hello there. All right. So Carrie, now this is a big topic that in doing my research with you, this is something that ca captured my attention the most. Uh, I know there was at some point you were t discussing not uh, lost my train of thought. Not being I'm focused. sorry. This is distracting. No, I'm sorry. No, it's not. No, she's all good. Focusing on the end result, 
I have my mini notes yeah. in case I forget you. Focusing on the end result and how it's and how it was debilitating to you and how that has disconnected you from your friends who you used to write letters to or you just keep keeping regular contact with and your family, especially your husband Casey. Um, if you don't mind um, get going as deep as you can into what the rough rough moments were like during that period of time and how you two just managed to push through and just never quit on each other no matter what. Because a lot of people just end up giving up right right off the bat, yeah. I've noticed. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's Born's, hard. Mm-hmm. It's life is, life is hard, like period. And I, you know, like if you were to talk to me six months ago, I wouldn't have said that because I don't like to say such things. I know, I know them, but it's like, what the hell is the point in saying it? But there's value in saying it because it takes the pressure off. Because sometimes we think we're supposed to be perfect. We think relationships are supposed to be easy. You know, we think we're supposed to all have it handled. And that's, I don't know anyone who has it all handled. And that makes me love people even more because it's like, we're in this together, right? We're all in some form of tragedy. We're all in some form of transition and heartbreak and amazingness, right? And so when focusing on the end result, you know, has become a symbol to me, like, it's just, you have to live life as it comes, right? And I think it's so beautiful how to have goals and dreams. And for one Olympic cycle, we literally won the Olympic gold medal. And the moment I stepped off of that Olympic podium, I was thinking about four years from this day, winning the next gold medal. And it was beautiful to have such clarity, such focus. Um, and that's all I focused on for four years. And I did not pay attention to my relationships, you know, and it's so easy to take for granted the people closest to you because you're like, oh, they know me, they feel me, they love me, yeah. but they need to be nurtured in water too, because love is a verb, period. You know, it's a choice. It's a daily choice. And I took that for granted. I took my husband for granted. Um, and my husband, we're not family. We're not blood. So he could walk away. And he said he was going to do that. And it was such a like, holy crap moment. Be like, I knew you were unhappy. I knew this was hard, but I guess I just didn't hear you because I was so focused over here and on that end result. And it just, I'm so grateful for him shaking me and being like, you're not, you're not being honest with yourself. You know, you talk about love and joy and that I'm your number one priority, but you do not show that at all. And I, and I fought him on that for a long time. I'm like, you're absolutely crazy. Like, I love you. I support you. Look at A, B, and C. He's like, but there's no actions behind that. And I'm like, oh, you're right. So the, the, like the devastation was he was out of there. He literally was like, Carrie, I'm gone. You know, I was almost having giving birth to her first child. And my husband's like, I, we got to get divorced. And that was like so devastating to me. And, but I, I don't think I want to, I just wanted to say I deserved it, but that's a really heavy thing to say. We, I put us in a position where we were fractured. You know, and it's like when things are good, are they're good. And when they're hard, you have to work through that. And I just wouldn't work through it. I just take for granted that we'd be okay down the road. And so, you know, what I've learned through focusing on the end result and the tragedy and all that, the near tragedy and all that, because I almost lost my marriage. Um, and then what I've lived the opposite side of that, of living in the moment, living day by day, living the journey is just like the the journey has to be meaningful and you have to live it truly to get to the destination and be fulfilled by it. And because if you don't win and if you don't hit your end result, then all that four years is literally gone. And even if you do win and you don't live the journey right, you're freaking miserable 
because you're disconnected from half of yourself or even more than half of yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So my goal forevermore is to win a gold medal every day on the way to winning a gold medal. And like me saying that means that I'm connected to my people, that I'm expressing, that I'm showing, that I'm putting action behind my love, you know? And I don't ever want to go back there and I don't believe in regression. So I'm so grateful for that opportunity. Um, something that helped me when we were going through that stuff is my art, our, um, I guess, psychologist was like, you know, Carrie, if just one of you in the relationship has the tip of your baby toe in the door, you still have hope. And I was 100% in. My husband just had that barely the tip of his baby toe in. And so I had hope, you know, and a lot of couples, like you said, they, they're they not willing to do the work because it's hard work. And there's a lot of personal accountability. You know, my husband and I were both like this for a long time. And finally, we changed that and we started looking in the mirror for ourselves. What am I bringing to this relationship? What can I fix? What am I holding back? We went through all of that. And that's really hard work. It's hard work to speak to to you. But it's just basically getting rid of layers and layers of baggage and resentment, looking at your dark side, looking at where you're failed, things that are really painful to look at, but give you peace when you do and empowerment. And so we did that and eventually we came together, you know, and we forgave each other. We forgave ourselves for being imperfect and it was powerful. But, you know, someone said, you know, you can either choose to do the work in this relationship or you can move on and choose to do it in the other relationship because it's going to show up again. You know, especially if you don't address your part of the situation. And for us, there was no abuse. There was no anything gnarly. And we sincerely loved each other. And so we just we 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 wanted to either carry on with our relationship or end our relationship with clarity, you know? And when you put your whole heart into something, not worried about the end result, just going for clarity or to be the best you can be, it led us back to each other, but it could have led us apart, but we would have had more peace being apart knowing we did everything we could do. Mm -hmm. That's great. Sorry, that was so long. Uh, no, no, I love it. Honestly, I, I just, and I wanted to tell you, you know, I, without even knowing you personally on, on a deep level, I'm very glad you guys, um, worked it out as best as you could and you're still together in my family unfortunately and the people i know that's been a huge problem a very big problem so including my parents they got divorced after 22 23 years with domestic yeah. abuse so yeah it was it was very rough and it had an effect on my sister and myself growing up but i'm glad oh, those I kids will have it. to go through the same thing <laughs> Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I just, we what's interesting, I, I honestly believe that we invite these, like, I feel like before we come into our bodies, we talk to God and be like, what am I going to learn? And we pick these situations that we're going to learn from, you know, so like it, and so you and your situation that could be so hard and your mom and your dad, you know, having the abuse, like they're each learning from that in this lifetime, you're learning from that and you're going to be more powerful because of it. You know, and I, I feel like I don't, I haven't done my research into your platform and I will, but I feel like you're using your life and your experiences as a platform to inspire others and oh, yeah. to empower others. And that's exactly what we're meant to do with the challenges in our life and the circumstances in our life that we wish were different. Like you're changing them. You're taking control of them. That's so beautiful. Thank and you. so thank you for saying that about Casey Knights. I'm so right proud of it and I mean, it's so worth it, you know, <laughs> and um, yeah, God bless you. <laughs> you as well. Thank you. All right, so I want to get into as we we'll wrap it up a, a little in a little bit. Um, I do want to mention I can't forget to ask you about you playing pregnant. D let me yes. ask you something. I, I'm I'm amazed you didn't have any fear or any worries about it. You know, if I was let me put myself in Casey's shoes and how I would have react. 
if I were to act, I would have been like, you know, Carrie, what if you dive and you hit your stomach hits the sand hard or yeah. the opponent even uh, spikes the ball directly in your stomach? Did any of those fears come? Did any of those thoughts come across your mind at any point as a possibility? No, I know you do have those really long arms to deflect the pass, yeah. but something could happen, you know? You know? You're so cute. You know, I would never have tried to get pregnant one month before the Olympics had I thought I'd put the baby in jeopardy if we were to get pregnant. Okay. Um, and I mean, the baby at that point literally is like smaller <laughs> than this, you know, and I, and it's amazing how God made us. Like I'm so reinforced, even when I'm ginormous, the baby is so protected, you know? And so I was so, so early pregnant that I didn't, I didn't worry about it one bit. I couldn't you tell know, the you bigger were. concern at the time. <laughs> Say it again. I couldn't tell you were looking at the footage in the 2012 Olympics. I couldn't tell. Yeah, I wasn't worried about it. But the bigger concern, you know, could have been like my hormones and um, me being super tired. But they say to base your pregnancies, how you're going to feel the next one on your previous ones. And I, I only had great pregnancies. Uh, my daughter's was the hardest, my third one. Uh, just I felt exhausted and interesting things. But um, but no, it was it was beautiful. You know, it's, I'm a, I'm a very thoughtful person and I, you know, I know everything's going to work out and believe in God. And, um, I got pregnant without any concerns whatsoever. And, um, you know, I'm fortified. I'm built to do this stuff. So it felt good. Nice. So I'd like to get a little bit into your entrepreneurship into the platform 1440. I know you have a few core values. Um, if you could give me a summary on what your mission is going forward. I know it has in relation to expand the sport, especially the professional side, because it's not very big. But what is your um what is your mission going forward with the platform 1440? I mean, basically we want to be the undisputed home of volleyball. And not only do we want people to come to us to watch and consume volleyball, but we want to we want to be the go-to resource center to help service the athletes and the sport and the community because we're for sure focused on the elite. You know, the elite, everyone's broke. You know, no one is a professional. They, they, they are in so many ways, but they're not paid like it. We want to we wanna change that by creating basically the NBA of beach volleyball. Right now, everyone's Olympic focused only, which makes us relevant once every four years. That's not sustainable. So we need a league to develop the athletes. But a huge focus is um, servicing the juniors in the world. And, you know, um, you're the younger generation. And it's, I talk to kids and parents and coaches every day that they're like, our kids are ill-equipped. They're ill-equipped bodily, mentally, and spiritually to handle the burdens that they're under and the end result focus that everyone's playing to right now. I mean, when you're in sixth grade, people are literally like, should I specialize in my sport so that I can make the high school that's going to allow me to get to the college for the scholarship. And that's like when you're 10 years old, you know, it's (laughs) so wrong. And so um, I just don't believe in that, you know? And so what we want to do is to give people the gift of autonomy and to give people the tools to develop themselves so they can stand on their own two feet powerfully and grow throughout the game. And our, our principles are found on the fundamentals you know, like to be a master at anything, you have to master the fundamentals of that craft. So we focus on that. Um, we focus on mindfulness, you know, again, like we want people to own the moment. We're called platform 1440 because there's only 1440 minutes in the day. If you can own each of those moments and be in those moments, you can have a powerful life, you know, instead of projecting yourself three years from now, you know, instead of like carrying the anxiety that comes with projecting into or living the past, which kind of makes you depressed, you know? So um, we're here to service the sport. We're here to grow the game. We're here to elevate it. Our sport has been sold um, for way under market value for too many years.
years. The athletes are suffering. And um, yeah, we just want to be the home of volleyball. And volleyball is a beautiful, powerful, community-driven family sport. Um, the world loves us more than anything else once every four years. And we believe we can take that love affair and make it every single year, every single day, every single month, every single year, and have a lot of fun with it. That's awesome. I like it. I like it. All right, um, a few more questions. So I want to just ask you before I get to my final two podcast questions, how bad do you really do you want to get that gold medal? Let me ask you, is it gold medal or bust? Is it gold medal or bust going into 2021? Do you feel like you really have to yeah, win Jonathan. it? Jonathan, <laughs> I, I, I don't have to do anything. I really want to do it. Like I want to do it with all my heart. And I, I want to... I, I, yeah, I want it. I want it so badly. It's not gold or bust because I literally do plan on winning every single day. However, it'll piss me off for the rest of my life if I don't win. <laughs> and, I want you to win so badly And not so because the too. world isn't great. The world, that's so nice. <laughs> really the, you know, the world is so good at volleyball. And my partner and I are going to become the greatest team in the world when the sport is at its best. I believe that. Um, and I just want it because it can be done. We have it within us, you know, and, and, and falling short of our potential, like that's life. That'll drive me in some other field if we do fall short. As long as we live the journey honestly and give it our all, I will be okay losing. You know, I'll be this much pissed off, but I can handle it <laughs> as long as we show up with all that we have. But yeah, I, I want gold, Jonathan, more than I can express okay. to you. But I do not want that focus on gold to suffocate my now. Okay. You know, I can't, I can't go back to that. My life is too beautiful. My people are too beautiful, too deserving. And so I need to learn how to, how to marry both. You know, wanting what I want a year from now, a year plus from now, and living every day. And it's a dance I'm not great at, but I'm learning, and I want it, so it's going to come. I love it. I'll be waiting. I'll be anticipating that. Trust me. I can't wait. Thanks, darling. (laughs) I appreciate that. So final two podcast questions, Carrie, is how do you define the word execution? Define execution? Oh. I mean, I... Gosh, I guess it's the ability to manifest whatever you're focused on. You know, um, there's all different kinds of execution. You know, there's mind, mindless execution. There's very precise execution. There's there's excellence. There's power. There's so much. Um, you know, that's why I think a mastery of the fundamentals allows you to execute and to perform. Um, I don't know. I've never been asked that question. I guess it's a performance. I guess it's a, a task done. Um, but to me, it's an expression of who you are in the moment and what you're focusing on. I Goodness like, gracious. I don't I know. Like no, I, I'm glad I had you thinking. <laughs> I'm glad I had you thinking. I know. You know, it's so funny, Jonathan. I've had so many podcasts and I keep getting the same answers and the, or same questions. And like, I, I want to be off script. I want to think more, but then when I'm in the moment, I'm like, oh God, <laughs> I'm not good at thinking on the fly. That's a great question. Thank you. Food for thought. And final question. Um, when it when it comes down to it, when it's all said and done for you, how would you like to define the word excellence in your life? And how would you like view, people to view you in, in the term of excellence? I mean... Growing up, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it was so funny. And to be the most excellent would be a dream come true. Um, I would love to be considered that. And, you know, I well, like it, my life is so much more than sport. And it's so much more than gold medals and the hunt for gold medals. And I want to be a good human. And so I want to be 
the most excellent human I can be. And I want people to, uh, I want people to recognize me for that. You know, I want to earn people's respect for having given every, given everything I had executing at the highest level, always pushing my potential, always, you know, with love in my heart and, um, with gratitude above all. Nice. Nice. I love it. I love it. And I believe you 100%. You know, you've done a great job. Obviously, you know, you've, you've sustained a level of excellence for what, at least 27 years? I mean, I'm 27 years old. You've been dominating as long as I've been alive. That's, that's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like the age of Sonda, obviously. You know, I, you know, you haven't, you're still dominating at a very high level. And again, I really, really hope you take that gold medal. I'll be, I'll be looking forward to it. I really will. I'll be paying attention. And I'm glad I was able to share this uh, podcast episode with you. Thank you for coming. You definitely define what execution and excellence is about. And so, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, let me give you my thanks, please. And I just wanted to say earlier on, you mentioned haters, you know, and I, I feel like you might have some in your life and man, it just means you're doing something right. right. You know, sometimes it's like a mirror, like, Oh, I got to check myself. But I feel like if, if people are judging you, what you're doing and, and you know, if the peanut gallery is piping up, it means you're making them uncomfortable and hopefully it's in a good way. Um, so there's a lot of power, um, when you're vulnerable and putting yourself out there like this, I have so much respect and admiration for it. And, um, yeah, I, I, that's why it's so important for it to mean something to you because the haters are going to show up. If you believe in yourself, if you do it for your reasons, um, it's all powerful and it's a gift to us. So thank you. Yeah. Great job, Don. All right. Likewise. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. This is the execution equals excellence podcast with Kerry Walsh Jennings. Take care. Stay tuned for the episode in, a, in the coming days. Peace. All right, we got it. <laughs> oh, good job. Honestly, darling. you're awesome. That you went even it. better than I thought. I I knew I figured it would go well, but honestly, it went it really went better than I thought. So I want to oh, say good. thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Well, I was very excited to do this, and I I really do appreciate your outreach um, <laughs> and your patience with me and connecting here. But I yeah I you know it's so funny. My husband and I. We're, we have to put ourselves out there a little bit to try to grow our company and it's hard and it sucks and I hate people's feedback, but it's all valuable. And, you know, there's a bigger purpose behind kind of fumbling through trying to figure out how to do a YouTube channel and a podcast. So I appreciate your, your courage. I appreciate you responding back to me. So yeah, yeah of course, all right. this is a gift. So thank you. And God bless Godspeed. If God I can be of service, let me know. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on your team. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear that. I said, if I could be of service, let me know. I'm right. happy to support. Um, yeah. And have fun L- with it. It's meant L- to be likewise, fun. Don't forget yeah. that. I'll reach out to you once in a while just to see how you're doing. So that so, would yeah, be great. I, Stay I, I on me because I miss a lot. But, okay. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I won't forget about you. I promise. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, likewise, take care. Right, bye. God bless. <laughs> God bless okay. you too. Thank you.